Most recent research is showing that one in eight American women will develop some form of invasive breast cancer over the course of their lives. And currently in America, there are 3.1 million women alone who have experienced some stage of breast cancer at some point in their lives. So as we know, with the treatments they've gone through, the reoccurrence rates that happen, and that large of a number of individuals, there's a lot, a lot of people that have need for therapy services that might not be receiving them or might not even know they're available. Welcome to Therapists in Motion podcast, brought to you by Spooner Physical Therapy. Welcome back to Therapists in Motion podcast. Once again, Paul and Dan are here, and we are joined tonight by two guests, two physical therapists from Spooner Physical Therapy. We have Larissa Shapps and Sarah Guyano, who I happen to know fairly well. Oh, that's an interesting. I, know, I wonder right? why she's a special guest with us tonight. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Couldn't tell you. Anywho, tonight we're going to talk about patients with post during breast cancer. The concerns, the things you should know as a therapist, what you might want to do if you are interested in this population, or what might walk through your door that diagnosis says shoulder pain, and you find out that there's a much more complicated history than that that is going on for the individual. So welcome, you two. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks for having us. Real quick, can you guys just give us a little background on what is your education and what is your time frame and experience working with this population? Yeah, I've been working with the breast oncology population for seven years. Um... We started the breast oncology program at Sweeney Physical Therapy probably 10 years ago, and Renata Bierman, who started that program, left and moved to Minnesota, and after she left, I kind of took it underneath my wing and started it out in the West Valley in Phoenix and then transitioned it to the East Valley. I've taken several courses through Herman and Wallace, um, taken a couple courses just through like North American seminars, but the best course that I ever took was the Pori Institute out of Colorado um, with Julia... I'm blinking on her last name. Julia Osborne. Yes. Um, she does a five-day breast oncology course out of Denver, Colorado. That is awesome. But that's kind of my, my story. I've been treating this population for about five or six years out of our Scottsdale location. And I have taken very similar coursework to Larissa. I've taken the five-day certification course through the Pori Institute with Julia Osborne out of Denver. And also I am a certified upper extremity lymphedema therapist through the close training system. So first and foremost, kind of just give us and paint a picture for therapists on things to start to look for, questions to ask in that 40 to 60 year old female who comes in with a vague health history with a complaint of shoulder pain? I think it's really important to make sure or rule out that they don't have a history of breast cancer, or if they do, you need to get a little more details about it. Um, The surgeries that they're experiencing really are not all that different than an orthopedic patient. So it's important to see if they've had a mastectomy or a lumpectomy, maybe on the affected side that they're having shoulder pain. They probably will have had a lymph node dissection of some sort, whether it's a couple or more, and or radiation. And so all of those things can can influence scar tissue formation, can have an impact on soft tissue restriction. So it's just a really important history fact about what could be going on related to that shoulder pain. Is that something that it matters 
how long it's been since their breast cancer or their breast cancer diagnosis or their procedure? Or is that, you know, is, is it kind of one of those things that time heals it and takes care of it? Or is time one of the factors that causes it to increase in symptoms? I think time can definitely increase in symptoms. I saw a lady not too long ago who came to me with shoulder impingement pain. Um, and after kind of um, getting into her past medical history, she had stated that she had had a bilateral mastectomy 23 years ago and literally spending 10 minutes doing soft tissue work on her chest. She had about 20 degrees of increased shoulder flexion. So just that chronic tightness and history of radiation over time can definitely impact their, their function as well as the chronic pain that they're experiencing. Are there different types of surgeries and different types of reconstructions and how does that change mechanics uh, at the shoulder joint, the soft tissue, the surrounding areas, etc.? I think something to consider a lot of times the implant placement plays a huge role. I think probably the most common reconstruction I see is um, they'll do expanders, tissue expanders to stretch the skin after the mastectomy to prepare for permanent implant placement. And those implants are under the pectoral muscle, which as we know, the pec connections to the scapula, that plays a pretty significant impact on that shoulder girdle mechanics and function. So that right there plays a huge factor. And I think that's probably the most common thing I see, but the latissimus flap reconstructions also play a pretty big factor because they're taking part of that latissimus muscle and moving it anteriorly to reconstruct a breast. And so that changes the anatomy on that scapula and that, that thoracic spine down to that thoracolumbar fascia. So there's just, it's a far reaching impact that that in particular reconstruction can play a role on a patient's mechanics. In addition to those surgeries, we also will see kind of a, a deep flap where they take tissue from the lower abdominal areas or a tram flap where they take it across from the abdominal areas as well. And both of those, again, will change the mechanics of, you know, the core and posture control, those type of things. So kind of talk us through how you would um, <clears throat> do a, an evaluation from an objective standpoint, things you're going to look for when you see that history of breast cancer, whether it is relatively in an acute stage, they're going, you know, undergoing chemo radiation treatment and or it's a chronic stage um, from a mechanical standpoint to kind of help our listeners start to think about what next steps they need to take to help their patients on a, on a grander scale. Um, I like to look at it just like any other orthopedic case. So, you know, taking a look at soft tissue changes, understanding that they've gone through a surgical procedure. So there's going to be scar tissue. So making sure that you look at soft tissue changes, again, looking at posture, um, cervical, thoracic down into the lumbar area, and then making sure that you're addressing range of motion deficits in the shoulder joints, cervical, thoracic area, and obviously strength through the shoulder as well. Um, but again, I like to just compare it just like any other orthopedic case. Um, they're doing a surgical procedure. They're creating scar tissue, removing tissue, sometimes putting in a foreign object into the body. So making sure we just keep our orthopedic um, hats on and don't go away from that thought process. The other thing that you have to keep in your back of your mind is the side effects that they've had from other adjunct um, therapies such as chemotherapy and radiation. So that tissue surrounding that whole radiated area is going to be changed as well as um, neuropathy through the upper extremities or lower extremities uh, because of the chemotherapy. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think keeping your orthopedic hat on while you're doing these evaluations is really important. And I actually think it kind of keeps what we at Spooner, Melissa and myself really kind of more unique to this population because we're not exclusively lymphedema. We're not exclusively orthopedic. We do a little bit of both. And I think we give a really well-rounded treatment approach to these patients. And that's why the patients do so well is because we can address multi-systems after these surgeries. But I agree. And also taking a close look at where they've had their surgeries, where their incisions are, where the fascial restrictions are occurring. Do they have any lymphatic cording through their axilla into their upper extremity? So it's just, it's an orthopedic assessment, but with a little more detailed honing in on the specifics of their surgeries. And you guys touched on it. It's so important to have that well-rounded approach. You understand the like, aspect. You understand the specifics of what happens for a, an individual, whether it's reconstruction, mastectomy, post-cancer, etc., as well as the orthopedic side. Obviously, the best thing for a therapist to do is refer this patient to you all or an appropriate uh, professional within their area that has the type of training that you guys have. But let's just say that either the patient's waiting to be transferred or it's just a listen doesn't have anyone available near them. What are some things for them to be aware of that might present differently that we don't want them to freak out like, oh my gosh, what happened? It, it just happens because of a different population. Yeah, like you said, I mean, I think any general orthopedic could definitely treat this patient population if they're in areas that don't have specialists. Um, we're definitely fortunate here in the Valley and at Spooner Physical Therapy that we have several specialists across the Valley. So we make sure that these women are getting, and men are getting the direct care of those that are um, certified with breast oncology. But again, if they're not in an area with a specialist, making sure that, you know, there's a thing called cording. Basically, it's um, a cord that runs down the upper extremity from the breast tissue. And if you hear like a little popping sound, don't necessarily have to be scared or nervous about that. It's just the scar tissue breaking up, um, that lymphatic system releasing with that stretch of the tissue. Yeah, and I think I think that's a big thing to be aware of, and especially in those patients who are maybe earlier after surgery, they definitely had their lymph nodes done a biopsy, maybe had some removed. They're feeling so. I think they have a very typical presentation, so they're going to kind of complain of some pulling in their arm, maybe down to the wrist, just things to look at. Look right into that axle up. Um, it can be tested in an upper limb neural tension test position. It pops out pretty easily. You can see it that way. Um, some other things that I think to take in consideration is do they have tissue expanders in or do they have their permanent implants? So if they have their tissue expanders in, they can't lie prone. You don't want to stretch them too much because you don't want to stretch out the space where that implant's going to go. So you, you can work the pec for general mobility, but you don't want to really get aggressive at treatment to the pec. Um, and I think really just kind of letting patients kind of let their tolerance kind of guide where you go. They can tolerate a lot. Some can't. Some are having more nerve pain. Um, another thing that I was a oh, radiated tissue. That's another big one too. If they're having tissue breakdown during radiation, you just have to be careful that you're not doing a lot of shear forces over their skin um, and just modifying your manual techniques as they're as they're the phase that they're in of treatment. How much of that information are you getting in a communication from referring provider um, or working and learning from a referring provider? Is that all information you're either getting from the patient or you've learned from your con ed courses? 
Majority of that information has all been learned through content courses or experience over time working with patients. Um, I've definitely have spent the last seven years, um, along with my colleagues, building this breast oncology program at Spooner. And a lot of it has been education to our physician, our referral sources, educating them on how we can help their patient outcomes. Which asks a great question, especially when we look at these individuals, men and women, they have a pretty large team behind them. You don't have cancer mm-hmm. treated by one person. Who are you marketing to? Who are you reaching out to? Who's the best or is there a best? Are you looking at a widespread approach to get these patients in and get them the help that they, they need and should be having? I would say the majority of our marketing efforts have definitely gone towards plastic surgeons. That's where we probably get the majority of our referrals. But when we go out and educate and go out and market, we're definitely um, going out to the whole team, including the oncologist, the oncology radiologist, um, the general surgeon, the primary care doc, but they have an entire team behind them. But I would say majority of our referrals are coming from plastic surgeons and then probably the oncologist. Yeah, I the breast surgeons are getting, I'm having more, getting more and more from the breast surgeons kind of more proactively, but I would agree that I'm seeing the most coming from plastic surgery and their general medical oncologists. Can you speak a little bit to those individuals who are actively going through chemo and radiation while, you know, while they're seeking out physical therapy services? Are those, you know, I guess kind of a twofold question. One, speak to those people who are And then two, is that a patient population that we can assist while they're getting that treatment as opposed to waiting months and months and months and months and months down the road? Um, And in an ideal world, what I would love to have is that every patient who is undergoing radiation would come into physical therapy to get treated and maintain their flexibility, their tissue lengthening, and make sure that they're healing properly as well as maintaining their appropriate posture and range of motion because the radiation has such um, side effects on the tissue and it damages the tissue so much that I really have a hard time when we get those patients, you know, they're a week later after finishing radiation or a month later or years down the road. I would love to see every patient while undergoing radiation be in physical therapy. I agree. That's like when that scar tissue is really laying down and forming. And sometimes I've even seen on a rare occasion patients through radiation and you actually are helping them maintain the range of motion so that they can continue their radiation care and they don't have to have an interruption, which is really important in timing. Um, But I agree. I think that timing before, during radiation is really huge and monitoring throughout that process. There's also not a ton of research on it, but there's starting to become some that getting individuals into physical therapy while going through radiation also decreases their risk of lymphedema in the long run because of the tissue damage that radiation can have in impacting the lymphatic system. So definitely getting them in earlier than later. Perfect world. Again, you're able to get them in whenever. What is the time frame? Do you want a certain number of hours or days after radiation? How close do you want it? Is there a contraindication? Is there anything you need this therapist to be aware of to say, you know what, no, we need to have this certain time frame before I see you? I'll be honest. In a perfect world, we're seeing them before they've started any treatment mm-hmm. so that we can educate them on the things that are coming up that that they're the, the patients that don't get that education are experiencing long-term into their lives, like signs and symptoms of lymphedema, how to prevent it, educating them that they might tighten up during radiation, that their scar tissue really might get worse and the benefit of coming to physical therapy or doing their exercises. So in a perfect world, we're seeing them before they've started any treatment. But if we could see them before radiation, and now these patients a lot of times are doing radiation every day, 
for six weeks. Every day for six weeks. It's a lot of treatment. So if we could two to three times a week while they're going through the process is hugely beneficial. Yeah. And even like post mastectomy or lumpectomy, if we could get them in as soon as they get their drains out, typically they have their drains for several weeks. But if we could get them into therapy right after the drains come out to start working on scar tissue and breast mobility and scar tissue mobilization, that would be an ideal world. So I know you two both talked about your uh, good kind of education you've been through, but let's say there's an individual interested in working with this population, has nothing beyond just your basic orthopedic background. Where do they start and where do they go? What do you recommend? I think the best course out there is through the Pori Institute, which is the Physiological Oncology Rehab Institute. It's founded by Julia Osborne. That's who both Larissa and I got our education through. She's amazing. She has her own oncology only practice in Denver. And we got to learn on her real patients. And it was hands down the most informative continuing education course I've ever taken. I would agree with Sarah. Like that by far is the best course out there that I've taken and I've really researched and seen. Um, If you're unsure if that's something that you really want to get into, I believe Julia does offer like a two or three day weekend course. So you can kind of start small and see if it's something that you're truly passionate about. Um, Herman and Wallace also does a two day course or three day course on breast oncology. And I think that's another one to just kind of get a basic foundation. But like Sarah said, Julia's um, five day course, she brings in live patients. And so you get to practice your techniques on them and see the true benefits of it. And it's definitely a great course. I think also too, if this is a patient population that you're really passionate about and it's something you really want to get into, pursuing a lymphedema certification is really important as well. And the close training group has, I think one of the only upper extremity only certification courses that you can do. And that's what we both did. Just for clarification, those listening that might be unfamiliar, close is K K L O S E. Pori, when they keep saying is P O R I. And that's dead for, I'm sorry, what does Pori stand for again? The Physio- Physiological Oncology Rehab Institute. So easy things, you guys Google them and you can find them quickly and efficiently. Well, I just want to say, you know, thank you guys. Great information. Great population that needs help, desperately needs help, and is not getting as nearly as many of them to therapy as could be. Do you have any final thoughts, any final statements you want to make just to everyone listening out there to wrap things up? If not, that's okay. You guys talk about a lot of good stuff. No, I think it's, it's a really great population to work with. It's pretty rewarding, and I love it. They're probably my favorite patients. And I think if therapists out there are really interested in it, they just need to push, pursue some continuing education course, and, and they'll be providing a great service to a population that really needs it. I would agree with Sarah. Like It's a very rewarding patient population to work with that is determined, motivated, and you see progress on a regular basis, and it's a lot of fun to work with these individuals. Awesome. Well, thank you both again. For anyone listening, if you guys have questions, comments, thoughts, you know how to reach us. Therapists in motion at Spooner Physical Therapy, or I'm sorry, at SpoonerPT.com. Otherwise, everyone have a great day. Thanks, guys. Thank you.